I was having a thought this morning about my first real crack at entrepreneurship. And I got one of those kits in the mail where a company wants you to sell Christmas cards. <laughs> and they also include a catalog with the prizes if you sell a certain amount of Christmas cards. Yes. Well, do, don't you think that I didn't get right out there with those Christmas cards and go door to door? And so, well, it's back when you could go door to door um, because I wanted the prize. I yeah, wanted the microscope the so bad. <laughs> Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Vulnerable Entrepreneurs, coming at you from the great city of Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm Sean Riley. And I'm Common Thrath. And today, like always, we're having a no-bullshit conversation about the entrepreneurial way of life. All right, everybody, here we are for another amazing episode of The Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. We have with us a guest who is um, technically, for a lot of my childhood, I was brought up to know you as our cousins because you're so close to our family. So I'm, I'm comfortable saying my cousin, my friend, um, someone who I've known from very, very early on, uh, Mary Ellen Cusack. She's with us today. Uh, owner, founder of uh, 23rd and Bird, amongst a bunch of other stuff that we're going to talk about. So welcome. Welcome to the Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited. Same. So what we want to talk about today is risk. Um, being an entrepreneur, you take a big risk. If you're coming from a traditional career path, if there is such a thing, going into entrepreneurship, you take a big risk. Um, being an artist, I would think just by definition, that's very risky. Um, you're on your, uh, how many, you've had a few companies that you've started, right? Yeah, I have. I um, well, I don't know. Um, probably if you break it down, it would, it would come out to that. But I remember I was having a thought this morning about my first real crack at entrepreneurship. And I got one of those kits in the mail where a company wants you to sell Christmas cards. <laughs> and they also include a catalog with the prizes if you sell a certain amount of Christmas cards. Yes. Well, do, don't you think that I didn't get right out there with those Christmas cards and go door to door. And so, well, it's back when you could go door to door um, because I wanted the prize. I yeah, wanted the microscope the so bad. <laughs> I just wanted it. And I thought right. all I have to do is just get out there and ask for what I want and, and sell some Christmas cards. And my dad taught me how to do it. He said, this is what you do. You go and you knock on the door and you say, Hi, my name is Mary Ellen. Would you like to buy some Christmas cards? And midway, you just start nodding in the affirmative. And before you know it, they're nodding in the affirmative and you are in the door. I thought, wow, that's, that's a little shady, Dad, but I'll try it. And I did. And I got the microscope. That's the end of the story. I'm going to start doing that in my meetings now. Just There you go. That's entrepreneurship. Done. It's bobblehead, right? <laughs> like Look at that. <laughs> Look at that takeaway. Two minutes in, we already have a takeaway for the That's audience. That's a secret. That's, that is brilliant. <laughs> so I had always been a real creative. Like, you know, I was decorating people's homes. I was, you know cooking gourmet meals, like anything that I could find to do. You know, I had a beautiful garden. 
Um, I always painted. I was always um, a crafter. When the kids would bring the school project home, that was the diorama. I would be like, let's go. Let's get this done. So like, I always loved to do creative stuff. And I had a, um, I had one of the first Pinterest accounts. I had one of the first Pinterest accounts that you had to, when Pinterest was new and they didn't want to overload um, Pinterest, you had to apply to, to get an account. No kidding. Yeah. And um, you had to wait two weeks and I just started gathering ideas and I decided what I wanted to do was take those ideas and make them a reality. And I, I knew that I could do it because I had, um, if I don't know how to do something, I just figure out how to do it. I'll try it. Um, I'll Google it. I'll find a YouTube video. So I was, um, I started a shop that sold antique vintage um, furnishings and restored and restyled painted furniture. And I went into a big, it was in a big mill and I had a brick and mortar shop there for a couple of years and I, I loved it, but I had many people close to me telling me that this was a horrible mistake, that <laughs> there was no way I was going to make ends meet. There was no way I was going to be able to float it, um, that I needed to get a nine to five. That was seemed to be the remedy for most people. They wanted me to get a nine to five. And I just, when they said that, I would just, I could feel myself just kind of like shrinking up. Like I couldn't imagine anything more dismal than a nine to five job. Yeah. Because, and it wasn't going to allow me any, any flexibility to be the kind of mom I wanted to be or the kind of person that I wanted to be. Um, I, I love creativity. I like to go off and try different things, do different things. Um, I love multiple revenue streams at one time. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm easily bored because I can't remember the last time I was bored, but I do like to try new things. So I started that right. and um, I did that for a couple of years, um, segued into closing that brick and mortar shop. The problem with it was for me is that um, it was only open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that's when my kids were home. So I made it work sure. for a couple of years, you know, but you know, the reason I had started it was because it wasn't for financial reasons. Primarily it was really, I want to live a certain kind of life. I want to be a certain kind of mom. I want to have my freedom. What can I do? to meet my financial obligations, no more, no less. You know, I didn't need to make a ton of money and I didn't want to just scrape by. I wanted to um, craft a life that I wanted. It was the, really the first opportunity I had had to do that. So um, I, I ended up closing that shop and just going to a, a private studio. Um, I had a real opportunity. I got some free studio space, which was nice. Not everybody gets that. And I just started to work in my studio. I was making things, selling them online. I was, did a lot of hustling with, you know, picking. I, I would go to yard sales. I would go to uh, thrift shops. I would find things that people didn't want. And sustainability is a big deal for me. Like, I just love to take old things and make them new again. Um, 
And I was doing that and I was, I was running that business off of the clientele that I had connected with when I had my brick and mortar. Like they all had my name. They all kept in touch. I have a Facebook page. They knew how to find me. And just building off of that, it seemed like, you know, just when I was like, wow, is this going to work? I get a couple calls from people who are like, oh, you know, so-and-so gave me your name. And it just worked like that. And I, I, um, I eventually closed that studio and now I'm in my own home. Um, I've branched more towards now my fine art and I am selling my artwork. Um, still doing the commissions, still doing work on location for people who want design help. Um, but they, they want, you know, an old antique, huge break front painted to match, you know, the pottery barn vibe, you know, I can do that in their home, but also free me up to pursue this fine art, which has been a, just a lifelong dream. So that's, it's interesting that you talk about that. One of the main themes that you hear from entrepreneurs, the major theme is that it's not about money. No. My, my parents to this day, I mean, I've had Wrath Capital for two years now. Like, you know, especially my dad. Oh, you, you had this great staffing company and oh, you were doing so well for yourself and you're making a lot of money. Why would you give, you know, it's just like, because I'm not wired like that. Mm. Success to me is not, Revenue, it's not money. It's, to your point, the next thing. Um, because I do get bored easily and I need to have different inputs um, professionally to, because I want to do different, different things. I mean, my goal financially is to be able to do what I want when I want to do it. That's, there's not a dollar sign that's associated with that. So it's interesting to get your perspective. You know, Starting a company, you have to have a vision. You have to have some understanding of, of trying to, um, of, of knowing what you want to do and trying to go do it. When you, particularly, I'm interested to hear, when you had the business of, of doing some of the, the um, re-artistry around furniture, say, Mm-hmm. Do you have a vision going into that or say you're painting? I mean, I look at your paintings on Instagram. They're amazing. And I okay. kind of slump my shoulders and I'm like, I could ne- like, I don't even know what color that is. Do you, <laughs> do you have as an artist, do you have a vision that goes into that? Or do you just kind of dip the brush in and okay, this is where it takes me today. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times that happens in business as well. Yeah, I would say it's more. Yeah, I would say it's more of an energy. It's less of a vision and more of an energy. Um, It's sometimes and it's an 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 impulsive energy. Um, Sometimes it's a thought or an idea or an emotion that gets me started in a certain um, in a certain direction. But I would have to say that. Um, you know, when I was painting my furniture, I loved that I could just do whatever I wanted. And I made unpopular choices when I was painting furniture. So, you know, there were other, there were other businesses, there were other shops in my, in my center where I had my business that were doing the same thing as I was. And, and the, the, the big trendy it, um, color for furniture was neutral, like gray, white, or grayish, which is like a gray beige. And that's what everyone was doing. 
and I just didn't want, and, and I just didn't want to do it. Like I just, I wanted to do something that was a, the full expression of my creativity. And, and I knew that I couldn't say to hell with everybody else. You have to look at what the customer wants with that kind of thing to a certain sure. extent, but I couldn't limit it to that. I will tell you though, when I'm, when I'm painting, if I find myself painting for the eventual buyer, it does not turn out a success to me. Like I'm not going to paint something that I think people are going to buy. I just can't. That's inauthentic to me. I have right. to paint something that I, I feel the need to paint. That's what I paint. And that to me is your vision. That's whatever it is that you're painting. As long as you're guided by yourself, that to me seems like that's your vision. That's what yeah. you want. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I just can't imagine doing it any other way. And I've tried, you know, I found myself, I did this project. Um, one of the things that got me into, um, back into my art more or less full time was I did a project last spring called the 100 day project. And it's, it's a social media project. That's a hashtag and artists, makers of all kinds can participate in it. And it's an accountability project. And, um, you know, I had to, it's where you go every day and you crank out your, your work, whatever your art is, and you blog about it if you want, but you post it every single day. And I knew that I was going to, if I was going to do this, I was going to stay as true to it as I possibly could without making myself insane. But I was really going to do it. I was going to do the full hundred days. And I sometimes had to put work out there that wasn't my best. And that's one thing. And, 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 and that speaks a lot to entrepreneurship, I think, because how many times do you put something out there um, and you're not sure how it's going to be received? I will tell you um, also. Absolutely. Yeah, people bought those paintings. <laughs> So I never know what people, I, I can't claim to know the mind of every consumer, first of all. So if I'm making something and I don't think it's perfect, I used to, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist and perfectionism is one of the most limiting qualities I can think of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because perfectionism is thinking this isn't going to be exactly what what I envision. Therefore, I'm too afraid to start. I mean, it's yep. just all fear. We talked about this earlier in another episode. I mean, I'm a big believer in perfection is a myth. What's perfect to me is not perfect exactly. to anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's also something that you're always chasing. You will never attain perfection because it's this. Right. It's so ego-based. Ego no such thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. And it's, I think it's really an end result, almost of an, an excuse of, as you said, fear. It's like, I don't mm -hmm. feel this is right because it's not perfect. Well, right. it is perfect if you did it and you're okay with it. But it's an interesting, I love how you talk about that because, you know, we talk about risk and you're in a business where almost customer be damned. I'm going to do, you know, and pick another business. I mean, I can't do that in my business to a large right. extent. You know, guys, we're going to do it this way, you know, my own rules. So how do you, you know, 
manage that or how do you not fall into, cause that's going to be a trap. Like, okay, bills to pay mortgage, got to do this. Mm-hmm. I got to, I got to make this, as you said, grayish because that's right. what's, how do you stay away from that trap or dabble around it and know some things might be marketable, but other things you really take a risk on, or do you even worry about it? Do you just, nope, this is my energy today. This is what it is. Yeah. You know, I don't think a lot about the eventuality of someone buying my painting. And I mean, this is probably where I kind of go off the radar with a very traditional entrepreneur is that, um, but yet art is a commodity. Absolutely. People buy art, (laughs) you know? Um, So, you know, I guess how do I, how do I stay away from worrying about the, the end result? I mean, not being attached to outcome is the way I've busted through every hurdle I've ever busted through in my life, not limited to business. Um, Believing in an ideal or a, or a um, principle is how I have done that. Um, you know, when you, when you release your attachment to outcome, you can just do whatever you want. You can play. Play is key. If you can imagine it, you can make it, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I mean, some of this sounds kind of woo-woo and ethereal, but it's really not. It's... Um, for me, it's very cornerstone of how I move through the world in in every different sphere, um, personally, professionally. Um, I am just as honest as I can be. And I find that when I am, the universe takes care of me. And it's as simple and complicated as that. <laughs> no, I understand the energy side of it, too, because the energy people can see it, they can feel it. Um, when, when you also are accountable to your clients being happy because you're, you know, happy clients means revenue, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a balance between like what's perfect. You mentioned that earlier and, and you know, I'm in marketing, I do digital marketing creative so I can relate cause I'm always pushing my team. Like, I don't know, we should go live with this or like if that website doesn't look perfect or mm-hmm. that, that branding, that logo that we're doing. But then really at the end of the day, like the client, if they're happy about it, then we did our, we did our job. Absolutely. Where do Absolutely. you, how do you balance that? So like, cause you, you have all the creative people listening in here, right? That, mm-hmm. that may be artists as well or designers or creative folks and they're perfectionists as well. Right. Cause it's, it's right. your heart gets put on that painting. Your heart gets put on that whatever output you're trying to put out there. Right. What advice could you give to those folks who they could be hampering themselves because they're not, breaking through and getting the output out there because they're afraid that it could be rejected or they're right. afraid that that client is going to not going to be happy. And now their whole business just blows up. Right. Um, wow. I, I've had some design clients who had really strong opinions of what they wanted. And, and when you have a client like that, um, I believe that my vision isn't everything. I might be really great at what I do, 
I might be, you know, talented as heck in, in, in a lot of areas, but if I'm not, you know, it sounds a little contradictory to what I was saying, but, but fine art is different from design work. Um, but then I have clients that are just like, I just love what you do. What do you think? You know, come on in here and tell me what you think I should do with my space. But then you'll have a client that's like, I want this and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I need you to tell me, I think it really, it, that's a challenge because you, you know, you have to kind of create ways to, um, you know, accommodate that in your own brain and, and yeah. sort of, you know, fine tune, sync your own vision with theirs, I think is, is the best way I could describe it. Um, I've had painting commissions though, that are the same way. I just finished one yesterday and she wanted me to sort of recreate on three different canvases a fabric that she had chosen for her for her um, pillow shams in her bedroom. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, it doesn't leave a lot of creativity. But it was, it, it did. You know, I could do, you know, we, we talked about it. We worked it out. I did a couple phases. I did some sketches. And I went back to her over and over. And I said, is this what you were thinking? Is this what you were thinking? And, you know, it was a good conversation. It was, um, it was interactive. And I could be sure, relatively sure, that I was going to come out with something that, that was going to make her happy. And she's extremely happy with it. And it's nothing I would ever do on my own. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you find that artists or, or at least you look at taking risk or having the mentality or we, we call it wiring, the mm -hmm. wiring of um, absorbing risk as an asset? Do you, is it something you're... Because uh, I would think that, you know, you have all this noise going on, fear and marketability and running a business, but then you have to overlay on top of that and make it the top priority to be creative, to, to mm -hmm. you know, put that energy in it. Do you look at risk and taking risks as an asset? Is it something that you deal with, but it's something you're fearful of? Or how do you use, how do you use risk as a, as a tool or how do you manage it? Because, I mean, I said this right. earlier, you run a business, that's a risk. You, you're an artist. Every time you stand in front of whatever medium it is that you're creating, that's a right. risk. Yeah. It's a huge risk. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things, and, and I'm, I'm a Taurus. I don't know if you know anything about that, but I am a very earth, feet on the ground, practical, especially in financial matters kind of person. So I... I'm not super comfortable with risk as people That's interesting. go. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So, so when I, what I, what is important to me is then that I have, like I said earlier, multiple revenue streams. I have something concrete, you know, I will paint you a painting, but I will also paint your bedroom. And I know that there are people out there that want that work done all the time. There's no creativity involved. It's, it's just, I know what it's going to take me in time. I know what it's going to bring me in money. And I've gotten my name around there in that area as well. So I'll paint your furniture, but I'll also paint your, your bedroom and I'll paint. I've done whole homes. I've done entire wow. houses um, before for uh, a couple hired me word of mouth from someone I had done work for. 
and they just wanted me to do this upstairs room. And, and I may, I, I developed such a relationship with them. And I, I really think that for me, when I think about being an entrepreneur, it is relationship building that would be, yeah. you know, if I was going to talk to anybody about how to do this, be like, you have to build these relationships. Um, and they have to be sincere and honest and vulnerable. And um, by the time I was done, I was painting their whole house. I don't even think they needed it done. They just wanted me there <laughs> at one point. But, um, but it's, it's very much when you talk about being hardwired to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, there's, there's just, there's a, a component of being able to relate to somebody and make right. a connection that is, is invaluable when it comes to being an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, so, so as far as the risk is concerned and not being that comfortable with it, I've managed it by doing, putting myself out there in some other ways that aren't really risk heavy. Um, and then I get to pursue something that's a little bit more risky um, in another area of my life, like the art. Um, right. So yeah. you're mitigating risk on the business side to be able to devote that energy, take that bigger risk um, to the, the piece that you're creating, to the creative. Right. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Do you, how do you, you know, being an entrepreneur, the, the, the path of the road never ends. It's, it's a continuous, it might be different companies, might be different projects, but we, we do different things all the time, whether it's boredom or just, we just like to be active or we want to solve the next biggest problem. As an artist, when you put your energy into a project, how do you regroup? How do you, you know, hundred days, that's, Okay, day one, yes, I'm into it. Day 59, you're probably like, oh my God, I got to do this today. And just, this is what it, you know, you yeah. know, day 68, you're like, this, I don't even like this anymore. So right. where do you find that? How do you regroup? How do you get your energy back? You know, Kam and I talk about it all the time. We, we, we were talking about this earlier. We do things in the morning, whether we meditate or, or go to the gym or do things to cleanse or whatever you want to call it and mm -hmm. get our energy back. How do you, how do you do it? Can you stop in the middle of a painting and say, I, I need to regroup. I'm going to come back to this in a, in a while. Oh, how do you do it for a hundred days? Absolutely. I do it all the time. There's, um, there's many times that I've done that. I've, I have lots of unfinished paintings. There's paintings that I'll come back to months later and put back up on the easel and be like, Oh, now I know what to do with it. But, um, you know, it's, it comes down to, um, I don't worry about motivation. Sometimes I just put in the time. I just, I'm devoted to the discipline of giving the time to this project, regardless, again, it's a d detachment from outcome, regardless what, what happens, I'm putting in my hours, I'm putting in my time, because I know that that's how painters become painters. It's how writers become writers. They do not wait to be inspired. They sit down and they write. They sit down and they paint or whatever it is that, that is their craft. And, you know, one of my, one of the most inspirational books I could possibly recommend to any creative um, would be Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, 
she talks about the muse a little bit, but mm -hmm. not really like I have to wait for my muse. So the muse can be anything. It can be an idea. Ideas are energy and they will swoop on by. And if you are not open to receiving the idea in some way, like just sitting there and saying, here I am idea, I'm ready. Then it will right. just leave and go find somebody else, right. <laughs> you know? Right. And so I have a whole studio set up in my kitchen because my lifestyle is such that I wouldn't survive with a studio outside my home right now. My art wouldn't get the attention that it needs to get in a disciplined way, in a, in a, in a way that I practice it every day. Right. If it was somewhere else, it just wouldn't. And I know that about myself and I know that about my situation. I'm very honest about my lifestyle with my kids. Um, so it's literally smack dab in the middle of my kitchen. And sometimes the kids have a problem with that. And I say, well, <laughs> too bad. You know, it, it sounds like to me, and Com and I spend a lot of time talking about this. Um, I think I've converted Com finally, but I'm not a believer in work-life balance. There's no such thing. It's right. life. And you get to choose, you know, by saying I have work priorities and family or life priorities, you're competing, you're going to fail at one of them because you're making them mm -hmm. compete. So it sounds like by you saying, I, I have, I don't have a studio. That means that would be that separation of the two where mm -hmm. you want to keep them together. You want to be exactly. creative where you're creative, not make it a thing or a place. Right. Exactly. And also I want my, I want my children to see me doing it. I want my children to see me living out my life stream. I want them to have the knowledge that this can happen no matter what, that your mother's not a martyr. She's a person who might just suggest a bowl of cereal for dinner tonight because she's working on a painting, you know, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, no, one of my daughters asked me the other day, mom, you should have a separate Instagram. You should have a private Instagram and an art Instagram. And I said, why? They're the same thing. My art life and my, my private right life are the exact same thing. Yeah. And I don't need to. Um, so that's, that's a dream come true for me. You know, that, and it didn't, I will also say that, you know, if to any of your listeners who are just bottled up with fear around all this stuff, it's probably time to do some inner work. Because if you can free up, some old thoughts about failure, about fear, about risk, you know, those old thoughts come from somewhere. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I find myself with an old idea around what I should be doing. And, you know, anyone looking at my situation would be, would say, I, you know, what I should do is get a very steady nine to five job to pay yeah, those I bills and know what to should. expect. And yeah. 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 The people that say you should are never the ones that do. It's all <laughs> right. To me. Right. I, and you know, um, another one of my, my really great um, inspirations is Brene Brown. I'm sure you know about her research on vulnerability and daring greatly. Yep. And um, you know, one of the things that she says is that if you are not, bloody and beaten and dirty down here with me in the arena, I am not interested in your feedback because there are spectators in those stands that will tell you all day long what you should do. And yeah. you know, that's, 
okay, well, thank you for sharing is what you can yeah. say to those people. But like, yeah. really? Because I, I mean, it is not for everyone what we do. No. Um, at, at all. And it's, it is risky and it is uncomfortable. And it is sometimes, you know, if you have a hard time with what people think of you, you're probably going to have a rough time being an entrepreneur too. You're, you're done. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I am not, you know, it's, but it's taken a lot of work for me to dismiss the thoughts and feelings and opinions of other people. That didn't, that wasn't a switch that flipped. And I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm alone in that either. Um, and I, I, I practice a lot of, um, you know, meditation and I love Buddhist philosophy. I heard this wonderful, um, Buddhist idea the other day, which is people are going to throw flowers at you and people are going to throw bags of shit at you. Your job is to catch neither. And it really keeps me humble. It keeps me humble because, you know, I have, you know, I had a pop up here just before Christmas um, last year and I sold an abundance of paintings to the people who came and that's success, right? That looks like success. Um, but, you know, I have people that don't like my work. That's fine. It's all right. fine. You know, so I don't get super amped up and full of myself when people buy my paintings. I'm grateful. I, I had practice, a, um, I practice gratitude around that. Uh, but I, pract I tr really try to practice humility around it because right around the corner, it's going to be a bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And I know I can swear on this podcast because I've listened to a couple. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, this is, this is a, a safe place that you can just be yourself yeah. and authentic because that's who you are, Mary Ellen. Yeah. Um, Sean and I talk about purpose all the time. That's the thing. Like you're, cause you have such a clear purpose and a yeah. vision. That's why you're not grabbing the flowers or the bag of shit. You just right. keep trudging forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for, for those that are listening that are, are, are parents or single moms, like I, what stood out for me is that you mentioned a vulnerable moment for you was, you know, you were divorced and you have four kids and then you embraced entrepreneurship. Um, when I started my business, you know, my, my wife was, was pregnant with our first kid and she's like, not a good time, calm. I don't think you should start a business. Um, then they had the second baby, not a good time. Um, and mm -hmm. like, like you were saying, I had folks saying, when are you going to get a real job? Mm -hmm. When are you going to stop playing around and actually go get a real job? Mm -hmm. And you know, again, like that's like staying focused, right. And your purpose. So yeah. what type of advice or what can you elaborate a little bit more? Like what did you have to conjure to, I mean, that's like a, like very, you know, a vulnerable moment, right? Being, being, yeah. being divorced at four kids to just jump into yeah. entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Well, one thing I had to do was take a real clear look at my wants and needs um, and my priorities. Um, you know, I had a laser sharp focus that I wanted to be with my kids. And what was I willing to do without in order to have that? Because when you're saying no to something, you get to say yes to something else. So like, um, one of the first things I did and, you know, I've always had, um, it very strong in my heart about sustainability and, you know, not just knocking down a bunch of trees for some furniture and, you know, fast fashion is another thing that is really kind of bothers me and, and, you know, um, 
the throwaway society. So I, I had a chance to put my money where my mouth was or walk the walk as it were. And, you know, we thrift a lot and we love it. You know, we do that because there's, there's value in it for the planet, but also it supports and lends itself to a lifestyle where you might not be able to head out with your teenage girls and, and pick out stuff that, you know, is top dollar at wherever, name a store, Abercrombie or whatever. So, you know, it didn't come with um, a real hard look at the way I was consuming and what I felt I could live without and, and not have. And a simpler life, again, another a Buddhist ideal is simplicity. Like, I just didn't need all the stuff all the time. You know, and I have some vices, but shopping is not one of them. And, and uh, I, I realized that, you know, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want this freedom that you say you want? Are you willing to go out, you know, go without some takeout or go without, and, and you know, it kind of makes it sound like to be an entrepreneur, you have to go without a lot of stuff. I don't think that's true. Um, but I don't think it has to be false either. I think that certain people, and I think it's very individual, it depends on who you are and what your focus is. My focus was to be who I wanted to be and walk the life I wanted to walk. It wasn't a spreadsheet. It wasn't, you know, a certain amount of money I needed to make. Um, of course, I, I need to make my bills, of course. Um, but, you know, you can, you can look at how much you're spending too. Sure. You you can look at that aspect too, if you want to make your bills. So, um, you know, I, I, I started a practice that was something that I didn't grow up with, which was, I, I talked to my kids about money. Um, uh, we just got stuff. I don't know if we ever talked about money as a kid, as a kid. No, we never talked about money. You weren't supposed to. No way. No. You guys go out and play. Okay. Yep. Do the money talk. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. exactly. So like yeah. I talked to my kids about money and they have a sense of money. You know, we're in a pandemic and there's, you know, my kids aren't getting jobs and you know, I'm not working. I have a, I have a little job that I do for my brother doing some marketing. I'm not working that job right now. Um, you know, it's another revenue stream. So at one point I was really kind of teetering and I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is, you know, invigorating. However, (laughs) perhaps I might want to look at an extra revenue stream. And I did that. And that was a really smart move. Um, and it's super, super flexible. So I can, I can work it whenever I want, but, um, you know, we, we, we just have had a lot of conversations around money. And as with the kids, I have, you know, I have a 20 year old, I have a 19 year old and I have a 12 year old still at home. And they know that if this isn't, you know, um, this isn't a bottomless pit. Money isn't falling off of trees anywhere. So you might as well learn that here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if you, you want something, you might have to do with something else to get it. And it's, I think that's a really healthy way to look at money. I'm not sure that that is the prevailing wisdom, but it's something that I found that I was comfortable with, um, with my kids. Um, we talked about the, uh, thrift industry a little bit last time. 
we chatted and the powers that be are onto something. There's a half a billion dollars last year. I mean, there are websites devoted to, you want a Louis Vuitton bag that somebody yeah. else owned for a while. You can get, I mean, thrift, the thrift industry, particularly mm-hmm. around fashion and clothing is yeah. booming. It's huge. And we love it. We have a wonderful time. Um, my daughter actually, she, um, she just took a marketing class and she had to build a website and she built a thrifting website oh, because, excellent. yeah, because she's been thrifting her whole, you know, her whole teenage yeah. life with me. And, yeah. um, it's just, I don't want something brand new for $78 that, you know, the carbon footprint is just absolutely gigantic that had to come over from China on a barge that somebody, yeah. you know, has, with a six-year-old sitting underneath their sewing machine made for a dollar and a half an hour, an hour in Bangladesh. Exactly. I right. don't want it. So yeah. I want to go and, and find the same thing at Savers for $7. Yeah. And, you know, that, that helps me sleep at night. <laughs> you know, I've said, I've gone to, to those stores. Um, there's a couple of, of, uh, dare I say, higher end ones in like Natick. And I've brought my kids and my kids have asked me, they're like, are these good clothes? I'm like, these clothes are nicer than the brand new clothes I had when I was a kid. Yeah. So let's yeah. all keep it relative because yeah. they're just yeah. fine. It's not you a have big deal. To- yeah, again, you have to go in. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to belittle anyone that buys new stuff at all. It's just no, for no. me. Um, and you have to go inside to get there. And you have to ask yourself what you're comfortable with and, and why. And, and at first, when I first started to do it, I was like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. But when you get deeper into your purpose and, and it starts, the machine starts to run a little bit, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. all very matter of fact now and, and very, um, routine. Yep. And I love that my kids have caught on, um, because you can totally go in the other direction with consumerism with teenagers. I mean, you really can, they'll bleed you dry. Yeah. Um, well the, the pressure that is put on parents by society through their children is, mm. is, incredible right i mean really 70 dollar polo shirt for fifth grade really that's what we're doing now yeah well yeah and some sometimes it is and um you know i i talk to my kids about about deeper purpose all the time and and you know they roll their eyes hard let me tell you something they do but sometimes sometimes they're listening and i i think we talked about this too sean is that um usually they're not listening but they're watching. They're watching. They're, they're watching exactly. how I behave and what I do and what is important to me. You know, the the activism or the the thrifting or the you know shopping from a CSA or just you know little things. They get all kind of rolls into how I want to live my life, and that's yeah. why I chose to be an entrepreneur. Well, that is a perfect ending to an amazing hour that we've spent together. I really appreciate your time. We asked this of all of our guests, tell us what you're working on. And if you would, how people can get a hold of you. We don't uh, never, never want to be in between as you had mentioned connections and, and who you meet. Yeah. So how can people get a hold of you and what are you working on? Sure. Well, 
what I'm working on next is, um, is taking my marketing to the next level. Um, I want to um, build a website. I don't have a website for my art. People just usually buy it right off of Instagram, DM me and, or I, I, I did a pop-up shop. I got a show coming up in October. Um, you know, virus permitting, we will have a show uh, locally, a solo show in October. Um, and, you know, I want to, you know, the businessy side as a creative, as an artist is not my favorite, but I know that it's part of the deal. So that's the next thing I have to work on is, you know, getting, um, maximizing the social media um, and, and getting a website together. And people can, can find me um, on Facebook at 23rd and Bird, or they can go right to um, Instagram. That's where I show my art at M E Cusack. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. And final remarks here, Mary Ellen, kind of recap it all, right? So you have one word of advice to another fellow entrepreneur, another mom, another artist. What would that be? One word. Well, um, can I have a couple of words? You can have Not a couple. one word, um, uh, a statement, you know, just kind of like one, one. Yeah. I, one, one that has just come up with me over and over again over the probably the past 20 years is you are never stuck. Um, yeah. And I don't believe that you are. You're never stuck in anything. You're never stuck in a job. You're never stuck in a relationship. You're never stuck, you know, well, I have to keep doing this because X, Y, Z, or I should really this. You're never stuck. You're, all, you're always just a thought away from a different reality. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, I don't know. I love that. <laughs> That's how I live. <laughs> I think we should make, uh, might make some internal t-shirts for my team about that. You could make we some t-shirts. <laughs> we definitely have to do merch. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a, when I found out that my thoughts create my reality, it changed my life. That's yeah. going on a t-shirt. <laughs> That's going on my top of my list of to do's every day. <laughs> well, thank you very much, uh, Mary Ellen Cusack, a dear friend of mine. I've known her since she was our test pilot for sledding a long, long time ago. And thank you so much for for being part of this this journey, this community, this this message that we're trying to put out there. We really appreciate it. I am so, so honored much. that I'm so honored that you asked me. I really appreciate it too. Great to see you That's guys. Great. Our pleasure, Mary Ellen. All, right. All right, guys, thank go you. out there and crush it. You got, got it. it. See ya. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. So this is not so much just for our listeners. It's with our listeners. We're doing this with them, not just for them. We're all together in this big, massive, disconnected group called entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at The Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. Twitter and Instagram at The VE Podcast. The VE Vulnerable Entrepreneur Podcast. And join the conversation by visiting us on our website, thevepodcast.com and email us at hello at thevepodcast.com. Thanks everybody for joining us today. That wraps it up. We understand that every minute of your day is valuable and we appreciate you spending time with us today. 